Before we kick off today's episode, I want to tell you about the Black Friday waitlist, which has dropped this morning. So, so excited about this one. I am going to be selling four exclusive offers that I've never sold publicly before. Offers ranging from £17, yes, £17, and going up to £1,497. So we've got something for every single budget. You have until this Friday the 10th to sign up to the waitlist. When you sign up to the waitlist, you're not signing your life away. You are just going to be the first ones to jump inside the offers to find out what the offers are before anybody else. Trust me, you are going to want to be in on this. There's really juicy ones and you're going to really enjoy them. And I'm going to get on with the episode now and I'm going to start speaking this weird voice, but the link to join the waitlist is going to be in the bio below. Go and sign up. Cannot wait to see you on there and then tell you all about these really great Black Friday offers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another 10 Minute Monday. So today I wanted to speak about some surprising things my clients have done that have landed them more sales. Sometimes we think of the really obvious things that land us more sales, speaking about our offers every single day, launching offers, maybe doing some behind the scenes selling. We've heard of all of the strategies, but sometimes despite the advice that's out there, there are other ways to sell. And I think this is really important because very often it can get very, we can get very sucked in and very bogged down in all the advice online. And, you know, myself included, I know that I contribute to that noise of suggesting things and saying, you need to do this. And this is the play by play recipe for how to be successful in business, which obviously there is no secret recipe. There are multiple ways that you can sell, and some of those ways might feel counterintuitive. So today I wanted to speak about a few things that my clients have done in the past that has gone against the grain a little bit of the advice that we're constantly seeing online and things that have landed them more sales. So the first thing that I want to talk about is niching down and actually not niching down as much as they thought they had to. And I see this more so with businesses such as like mindset and lifestyle based coaching businesses. And I've also seen this with personal trainers as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to shit all over niching. I know that there is definitely a time and a place for it. And in fact, it's, it's really important to position yourself and be known for something. However, I've definitely worked with coaches who feel like they can't be more broad, especially at the beginning, and they feel like they have to niche down. So for example, if they were a mindset coach, they feel like they've got to niche down to talk about relationships, for example, when actually they really enjoy speaking about broader things such as confidence or self-sabotage, things like that. And they have gotten really bogged down in the past with trying to niche down. And sometimes I've given them the advice, do you know what? You don't need to niche down. As long as you position yourself as an expert in whatever you want to talk about, and as long as your content is specific enough, you don't need to niche down as much as you're being told to. And I remember talking to a past client of mine who was a fitness coach, and he felt like he had to really niche down in in the fitness industry. And he was like, well, I help people tone up and lose weight and things like that. And I was like, you don't need to niche down any further than that. Sometimes it can hold you back so much from actually taking action and selling if you spend so long worrying about, should I go down even further? Can I go down even further? And actually, sometimes if you trunk down too much and if you niche down too much, 
you actually narrow your audience and people that could potentially buy from you. I've seen this with people that focus on, say, parenthood and they want to focus on mothers. And I've seen people be like, I want to target single mothers and I want to sell to them. And I'm like, great. Have you thought for a second that potentially single mothers aren't necessarily the easiest people to sell to because they might be single, well, they probably are single income family households. That was a long mouthful. Single income households. They are spending most of their money on childcare or taking care of their children. They might not be the easiest people to sell to if we're going to generalize in terms of wanting to buy coaching services, for example. So are they actually the person that you want to sell to? Can we just broaden it out to mothers in general? It doesn't mean to say that you can't connect with single mothers in your copy and in your content by providing some examples so you can also speak to that person as well. But it just means, is it a smart idea to niche down that far? Because actually, is that offer going to be validated within the market? So sometimes by broadening out a little bit, speaking to more people, which is often the advice we do not hear, but if you speak to more people, but if you are specific enough in terms of their problems and what they're going through and describing their situation, you can still sell and you can still target who you want to target. Another thing that clients have done in the past that have also landed them sales is they have sold the same offer that didn't sell the first time. Now, let me explain. I've worked with clients who knew that their offer is validated in the market, as in they knew that people needed what they have to sell. Very often we can get bogged down with like, this is such an amazing offer. This is like the tits, like I'm absolutely going to sell so much of this. And then they launch it and they sell it. And then it turns out, oh God, like, it hasn't sold. This doesn't always mean the offer is shit. What it often means is that the way you've positioned the offer, again, going back to what I was saying in the first point, the way you've positioned the offer and branded the offer and sold it hasn't appealed to your audience. So I've had clients come to me and they've said, I know that people need this offer. I've seen others sell similar offers. So I know that again, the offer is validated within the market. However, it didn't sell. And then I look at the launch plan, I look at the way they sold it, and I look at the way they positioned it, and I'm like, okay, well, I know now why this offer didn't sell. So for example, I once had a language teacher work with me, and she was selling a relatively low ticket offer. I think it was somewhere within the $100 to $200 range. And the first time she launched it, launched it she and she had a big audience. I think she had about 40,000 people in her audience, so a sizable audience, but her sales did not reflect that. Her first launch when she sold this offer ended up going for like, I think she sold maybe like $1,000 worth of it, which isn't amazing considering how big her audience is. So she's like, 10 sales out of that isn't, isn't what you want. So she came to me and she was like, I don't get it. I don't know why this happened. We worked through multiple issues. There was some mindset stuff coming up in there, which obviously we had to work through. And we also looked at the way that she was positioning and messaging her offer, the way she was hyping her offer, the amount of uh, preparation in terms of how product aware were her audience. When we tweaked all of that and changed her launch plan, it sold so much better. And she had a 10K launch the second time she sold the exact same offer. We didn't even have to rebrand it. We just changed the way she spoke about it and we changed the way she launched it. People were so ready to buy it by the time the doors actually opened for it. She's on a wait list. She did a pre-sale. She did a freebie. She, and by the way, you don't always have to do all of those things to have a successful launch, right? But I felt like her audience needed to be warmed up and she needed, and she needed to prime them more for the sale. And that's what she did. And the results spoke for themselves. 
I also had another client come to me, same thing, great offer, didn't understand why the launch didn't work. She'd followed a launch plan to a T, she'd invested before and did tons of emails and had two freebies actually. She did a double pronged approach, she had a challenge and then she had a masterclass. Plenty of people signed up to both of those things, but when it actually came to people buying from her and buying the offer itself, which was a four figure investment, people didn't do it. I think she had a couple of people buy. It just wasn't worth the effort that she put in. She felt burnt out, emotional by the end of it, exhausted, deflated, all of those horrible emotions. And so when she came to me and she said, this is the situation, this is the way the launch went, this is how it went, I knew almost immediately why that was the case. And it was because the way the offer was positioned, the way that even down to the name of the offer, I was like, I know for a fact people aren't wanting to pay for that because the offer was about a certain topic, but it actually inside the offer, she covered so much more. And I was like, people want this. People actually need what's inside this, but they don't know that they need it. And your job when you market your offer is to be like, okay, we're going to brand this and position this in a way that makes it so clear why you're going to do this. And you do that through talking about the, I mean, we all know this, right? Talking about the transformation, what's in it for them? Why should they buy this? What's the outcome going to be for them? How is the, what's the return on investment going to look like? What's the perceived value of this program? And that's the problem. The perceived value was lower than the actual value of the program. What we wanted is to be the other way around. We want the price to be whatever price you want it to be, but we want people to see that the offer is worth more than the price. That's the perceived value. And when that increases, when you can get the perceived value higher than the actual value of the program, that's when people buy into what you're selling, no matter what price point it is. Another thing people have done is they got rid of high touch points in some of their offers. A lot of the time, what we think we have to do to sell programs that are often mid-ticket is to throw in one-on-one coaching with us or throw in really, really high touch support, throw in more, 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 more. Putting in more does not increase the value of your program. In fact, sometimes it can have the opposite effect. It can A, cannibalize your higher ticket coaching programs or your high ticket offers, because why would someone buy your one-on-one coaching when they can get direct access to you in a group coaching program, for example? I'm not saying, by the way, that you can't go for a hybrid approach. I absolutely have in the past. I've sold VIP upsells so people can get one-on-one access to me. However, if you have a lot of touch point with you, a lot of access to you, so for example, maybe you're allowing your group coaching clients to get audits from you, to like get their content checked from you, Uh, have Voxer access to you, whatever it looks like. If it's too similar to your one-on-one coaching, that is where issues arise because you're not positioning the offers differently. Why would someone sign up to one-on-one coaching with you when it's exponentially more expensive when they could just do that in a group program and get that really high-touch support from you? And that can actually cannibalize other, other products in your product suite. So it's something to really be mindful of. We don't necessarily need to put in more touch points with you in order to land more sales. So getting rid of some of those touch points and getting rid of throwing so much into your offers actually sometimes works out better because people are able to implement easier. They're able to see results easier. You're not going to overwhelm your clients. Sometimes the more we put in, it's too much. I'm going to leave it here. I might have to do a part two because I could go on and on and on. I hope you found this one helpful. Just a friendly reminder, the Black Friday waitlist has opened this morning. And it closes this Friday, the 10th of November. So make sure you go and sign up to that. 
As I said earlier in the introduction, it doesn't mean that you are buying anything. You're not promising anything. You are simply signing up to the waitlist. So you are going to have first access to all of the offers I'm selling. I'm selling four exclusive offers and they're not going to be available publicly for a few weeks. So you're going to get in first. You're going to have first dibs essentially. And yeah, trust me, you're going to get a want, you're going to want to get in on these. There's some great deals in there. I will leave that link in the show notes below. I hope you all have a fabulous rest of your day and I'll see you all on Wednesday's episode with my wonderful friend, Natalie from Authentically Natalie. And we had such a fantastic conversation. I know you guys are going to love that one. So I'll see you all on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your week and talk to you soon. Bye.